You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. (laughs) This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! It's an OTA Thursday on Birds 365 with your Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen and Jody McDonald here. We'd hang with you and talk birds for the next two hours. We've got two good guests coming your way. One uh, for sure joining us in less than 20 minutes now and another one in hour number two to give us a little bit more of a national perspective on where the birds sit. J-Mac, how you feeling this morning? A little unsettled, Jody. A little unsettled. Why would that be? Well, you know. A little bit late, rushing around, trying to get everything done, trying to get the dog out. Same old, same old. Nothing, okay. nothing big, but uh, you know, unsettled oh, is, is how I describe actually it. Actually, up and ready to rock today because no uh, on the air till two o'clock on WIP last. I was in bed before midnight. There we uh, go. So, so I'm That's ready to nice. rock today. Yeah, uh, but I will let you uh, choose, Mister Unsettled. We can begin in one of two spots either on the field or off the field, on the field being the battle for the left guard position or off the field, the complete non-battle of who's going to be running this football team in 20 (laughs) years from now, uh, since our buddy Bo Wolf over at The Athletic did uh, say that uh, Jeffrey Laurie, Julian Laurie, son of Jeff Laurie, now has an official title with the organization. He was uh, Prince in waiting prior to this with an unofficial title, but they have deemed him eligible and uh, it necessary for him to have a title. Which would you rather talk about off the field or on the field stuff? Well, I guess off the field is, is the bigger news because that's new news. Uh, and that, uh, as you mentioned, Julian Laurie given a specific title and, you know, Jeffrey Laurie talked about that. Back at the league meetings, uh, if you remember, and he said, uh, you know, there's no hurry. I mean, but he did, you know, also admit if he wants to, you know, he's he's the guy going to be 
running the team, running the the organization. So I, I do think all the Eagles' attrition that they suffered in the scouting department and football operations uh, gave them the opportunity to say, all right, well, you know, we got to rearrange this thing, so we might as well start it. And there you have the title. Uh, and it's, you know, somewhat, uh, I think, uh, uh, not specialized for reason, business, and football operations strategy. Our buddy Bo Wolf, who obviously used to work for the Eagles back in the day, so uh, he knows a lot of people in that building. Uh, that's going to be the 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 title to start. But yeah, as you pointed out, Jody, this is this is the guy who's going to be running the organization. Jeffrey Lurie, seventy years old. Whenever Jeffrey decides to step away, and for those who dislike Howie Roseman, and there are a lot of them, and look. You know, I think they're nuts. I think the Eagles have one of the best general matters in football. I probably get more crap for saying that than anything else. People think I'm trying to get on Howie's good side. No, I rip them to high heaven whenever I think it's warranted. The problem is I think he's better than most other GMs. So when you when you put him up and you comp and you say, well, he does this well, he does this well compared to other GMs who don't do things necessarily as well, it kind of comes into focus, but this is sort of that sliver for those people who want to get Howie out of here for whatever reason. Anytime there's a shift at the top of an organization and somebody's in jail, well, they tend to like to bring in their own people. And we don't know a lot about uh, Julian, but what we do know, what we do know is that he's very close to Alec Halaby. And I think, you know, when the Eagles and it should be coming any day now, uh, rearrange their uh, uh, front office uh, specifically. I think he's going to be one of those guys that gets a title bump as well. So this is, you know, it might be under the radar, but to me, it's interesting. I will say that. But to others, it might not be as interesting because, as you know, I I like that phrase inside baseball. It's a little inside baseball, Jody, but you know, we could see the rumblings of a of a power struggle at the Novacare complex. Could be. Yeah, I think you've got a good read on it. Uh, here's the only reason why I, I if I were Eagle fans, I would not be waited uh, waiting with bated breath. If you're from the Fire Howie uh, camp, which there are some, I think Howie has actually moved a couple of people out of that Fire camp, Fire Howie camp. Uh, structure with the offseason that he's had. Some people stay mobile going back and forth between love Howie and hate Howie. Um, here's just an observation that's based on nothing other than my own interpretation seeing Jeff Lurie the handful of times we see him every single year. Yeah, I don't think he's going anywhere fast. Uh, no, I agree with that. I, I, it's not It's not immediate. I shouldn't say immediate. It, but just long term. Just keep it, uh, just put an asterisk next to it. Uh, you know, it's simmering on the back burner. It's not It's not on the front burner ready to, to pile over the edges. Uh, but just keep it in mind. But yeah, Jeffrey's not going anywhere right, right. now. So. When, when you and I are in our 12th year, of Birds 365, and we get to do the show that Jeff Laurie is stepping away from the day-to-day operations of the Eagles. I think we're looking at it like 10 years down the road. I don't think anything is imminent 
So if uh, Howie Roseman is going to be in the position, and oh, by the way, I don't know if Jeffrey will ever move away from Howie, could ever move away from Howie. If Howie is, if Howie's going to be in his position, as long as Jeffrey's at the top of the organizational chart, he's got another decade under his belt. So Alex Allaby could get a promotion at some point, but I don't know that he's going to be supplanting or usurping Howie anytime soon. But I do find it very interesting that Julian has now been made official heir apparent of this organization. And the one thing that makes me laugh, I guess, if you have the same reaction uh, and, and, Jeff has been more forthcoming about his son uh, over the past 12 months prior to he was working uh, in New York and uh, a group that I don't quite understand. Maybe you could fill in the blank for some of our listeners. It's the princes, the princes of the league Yeah, <laughs> is basically he's in the princes of the league club. Uh, right. You know, Which look, they have in look, New York that yeah. uh, is the young uh, individuals, sons, daughters, whatever, of the owners of the teams that come to the uh, city to learn how the National Football League works behind the scenes. And then they go back to their individual teams. And that's exactly what's happened here with Julian taking an official title with the Philadelphia Eagles. But Jeffrey has been very careful in continuing to say, well, if he wants to do it, if Julian has a desire to do it sometime, yeah. What's he going to do? Uh, oh, a couple well, of bucks from his dad and open some Wawa franchises? I don't think so. I think yeah, he's going to be in position far. to take over well, and be the, the, the driving force of a National Football League team. I, I do think, you know, that's more of a nod towards, I think, a lot of people, not everyone, but they don't want to push their children in a certain direction just because they've had success. And sometimes, you know, they have, they find other interests and they have the ability to do other things. Um, right, but 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 he didn't graduate from Brown last week. He's been in the NFL developmental factory for years now. Yeah, well, and and he 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 said, you know, essentially Jeffrey has said this is the way it's going to go. But I think he just wants to leave it open ended in case, you know. You know how young people what, are. He's going to want to go out on tour with the Grateful Dead or something. That, Come that, on, well, you know he's taking look, over the Eagles. That, well, let's look. Let's look at my buddy Tony Khan. Let's look at Tony. Shad's in the same situation, right? Um, you know, Shad wants him to take over the Jaguars, and he wants him to take over uh, Fulham, uh, the 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 Premier League team. They own that as well. He loves pro wrestling. He loves it, and you know his dad loves his son. And he's like, all right, go do it. And right now he's going to run that company until it's run into the ground and the wrestling company where, you know, somebody else is going to run the Jags. You know, will that change in years coming? Maybe, but that's sort of the same thing. They can go in a different direction in the case of Julian. He's not, yeah, he's not going in, in a, in a different direction. He's not, he's going to, he's going to run the Eagles and that's the smart move. You know, that's an easier way to make money. Let's put it that way. Uh, but I love you were talking about it. I, I was giggling to myself because, you know, that junior rotational program in the NFL is for highly selective. This is a quote, highly selective, high potential individuals. Yeah. Potential of uh, I won the the genetic lottery. That's your potential. Now, I, you know, Julian might be the greatest owner of the history of sports, but right. let's not. 
you know, he's got high potential because who his dad is. Could be the be greatest or could be the worst. Yeah. Chances are he'll be somewhere in the middle. The question is, is he close to the greatest or is he close to the worst? Yeah. And he's 27 years old, I believe. I right. believe he's 27 years old. Yeah, that's not, you know, you can yeah, talk old, about. How old was your buddy Tony Khan when his father bought the Jags? Uh, no idea. Uh, okay. I'd have to look it up. Tony's young too. He's not that young. Um, but yeah, 27. I, I mean, it better be 10 years um, <laughs> for Jeffrey uh, because you need some experience and uh, that. And people can talk about ageism and people being too old to do this and too old to do that. But when you're talking about immense jobs, like essentially you're, you're the CEO of the corporation um, and Tony's 39 right now. So, um, but and how long, how long has Shad been owning the Jags? Um, let's see. Um, Is it a full decade? It's gotta be closing in on a full decade. Um, July, tw yeah, 2012. Uh, so exactly. Okay. Nice call. Um, so, you know, 29, uh, when his dad, off the team i don't know what right, his, his, see, his his he he already had taken some stances in life he's graduated from college he's looking for a gig his father's got a lot of money and his own and he's come oh guess what he bought the jacksonville jaguars and tony's 29 at the time he, he, jeff laurie's son has been the heir apparent his whole life has has, has laurie owned the eagles 27 years yeah, it's, it yeah, do. he crossed. Uh, yeah, it's twenty-seven. Yeah, right. It's a long so, time. so basically, his son has been in line to take over the franchise since birth. That wasn't the same as Tony Khan since he's twenty-nine years old when his father bought the team. So, the I I know I see where you're trying to make the comparison, but the comparison is not exactly the same. Well, you're never going to get a perfect comparison. Yeah, but I I I don't know if Julian was aware that his father was the the leader of the eagles when he was born or even probably till it was you know however i'm guessing by the time he's five or six hey my father owns the eagles yeah but when you don't went, know when he went off the first grade and they asked uh, all the kids what your father does for a living i i'm guessing he said with pride my father owns the philadelphia eagles but i don't think you know what that means at that point other than i don't know Ron when Jaworski. I was seven, I knew for a fact that my father, when my father was the head of the minor league operation of the Mets, and kids made fun of me because the Mets stunk. I had to learn pretty fast. But you're, but you're getting mocked because of people insulting your father. That's probably a bad thing. That might turn no, you that's away. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, and arrows. You might as well at least get the uh, fringe benefits. Look, he's making the right decision. Tony's making the wrong decision. I mean, the NFL is, you know, that's that's as about as concrete as it comes. So, um, yeah, he's going to take over the team. I think the bigger story is what does that mean long term when he takes over the team? And when, nobody has any way of knowing. But I do know at twenty-seven, what I was trying. He's not ready to take over the team, so. He needs this uh, period that he's going to have. And hopefully he learns from it. And hopefully uh, the Eagles have been very good at this. And even though the NFL, for some reason, uh, values personnel as as a greater job than 
sort of somebody running the entire football operations department like Catherine Raich, um, it's a bigger job, the latter one. <laughs> and Julian's got to learn about both sides of the building. And obviously there's a lot of, there's a lot of pitfalls along the way, which have you, you have seen with that quarter century plus of Jeffrey Lurie. There's a lot of issues you got to deal with over that many, many years, a lot of issues. And they come from all different directions. Here's the one thing that I think will be interesting. And again, we're looking at a timeline and who knows how long the timeline is going to go. Jeff Laurie doesn't know. And he's the one who's going to basically decide the timeline. Um, at some point, if we work with the parameters, I just threw out off the top of my head, 10 years from now, when Jeff Laurie hits 80, could he be ready to step back from a major role? As long as he's still taking an air, it's going to be his team. Don't kid yourself. But he may take a uh, step back and turn the reins over to his son. In that interim 10-year period, does Julian get to a position where he has influence over his father, where he can tell his father, listen, Dad, know you love Howie, but blah, 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 blah. That could very well happen. I think we're looking at at least 10 years before Julian gets the reins, but anywhere in between in that interim period, he may be able to affect his father. Yeah, and that's the part that is the most interesting. That's what I was talking about at the start, because... Look, he's going to have – nobody's had more input with Jeffrey Lurie on the Philadelphia Eagles than Howie Roseman uh, since he came back, since 2.0, and arguably, you know, at the start of 1.0. But nobody has had more influence. That changes. He's in the building now every day. That changes. Family's family. You know, watch The Sopranos again. <laughs> family's family and um that changes the dynamic a little bit especially especially jody if julian wants to push it and i i have no way of knowing that right I, nobody does but if he wants to that that would make things interesting I would be excited about that if I'm not, as a reporter. I would be. I wouldn't necessarily be excited about that if I was a fan, but as a reporter, that would be interesting. Well, as a fan, it's an unknown. <clears throat> it may work out great. It could be a disaster. Again, it'll probably be somewhere in the middle, uh, but we won't know that until we actually get to know Julian Laurie. And although they've done a pretty good job of keeping him under wraps to this point, they did say that he got an official title as of yesterday. So, yes, he is the heir apparent to the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, uh, Jody McDonald, John McMullen, we're your Mac and Mac guys. Uh, coming up next, one of our good buddies, and I guess we got to call him in addition to the team now, uh, from the 33rd team and jacobsports.com. Our pal, uh, Paul Domwich, is going to hop aboard with us. He joins us next here on Birds 365. 
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on that can you search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, ibew98.org. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, this, this. And that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. The only great bad some mistakes I'd like to get my coffee cup this morning. Uh, Mac and Mac guys, sober need as a little judges. jolt, Jody. Stateside jolt. <laughs> no, I, I stick to caffeine. May hit the stateside later. Uh, we hit our guest line joining us right now from the 33rd team and jacobsports.com, our new website here with uh, Jacob Media, is Paul Domowich. Damo, good to catch up with you, my friend. Always good to uh, get your opinions on everything. Are you going to get a bigger byline than McMullen? That's all I need to know. Uh, Who's uh, going to have the big day, my, name print hey, on the web? On Damo's stat package is legendary for the preview of games. So I'm going to say that's Damo by a country mile. Oh, uh, you're being modest, John. <laughs> by, yeah, just, all right. By happy a, to be here with my two favorite Macs uh, behind uh, the Big Mac. Yeah, we appreciate that as well, Damo. So I, I think it's uh, a good time to have you on this morning because our buddy Bo Wolf uh, broke the news that uh, Julian Laurie is coming into the organization in a official capacity. We all know it was going to happen. But you've been around Jeffrey Laurie since day one, um, 70 years old, um, can't last forever. This is obviously the heir apparent who's going to be running this team at some point. Now that he's in the day-to-day operations of the building, though, even though it's not immediate, do you think that changes the power structure at all? Because family's family. So, you know, how he's been closest to Jeffrey, I think that changes. 
Well, I mean, it's 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 someone that you know has is going to have Jeffrey's ear, obviously, but I think Jeffrey also knows that his son has a lot to learn. Um, I mean, look at the Cowboys with Jerry Jones. I mean, his sons have been with him forever, with high titles, uh, and yet there's only one leader there, and that's Jerry. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I think Jeffrey envisions the day when his son will take over for him, but. I don't see Jeffrey stepping down anytime soon. And I don't, I don't see him. I mean, the, the, the only thing to watch out for is, you know, whether, whether his son might not be as uh, excited about Howie down the road as, as he is uh, where that might affect things. But right now that's not the case. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't see it changing anything right now. Uh, here's the only question I would have, because I agree with everything you just said, Damo. It, it, if Bo has the exact reporting correct, and an official title means actual influence from the day he uh, gets that title, uh, that's one thing. But it's going to take a while, as you and I both think, for uh, Jeffrey to secede the true power base of the Eagles. How about just the people working in the organization? You've got the boss. And now you got the boss's son. So that's just one other individual who's looking over your shoulder, making sure you're doing your title right. Does it have any influence on the organization in general? They're putting the new power structure together. A lot of front office personnel left. They've hired some new ones, at least being reported. Some will get promotions and the like. Does it bring an extra added layer of pressure to the organization, no matter what position you're in to perform, because now you've got a boss and you got a boss emeritus. At some point, you know, you're going to report to him too if you're planning on keeping your job for the next 10 to 20 years. Yeah. You know, to a certain degree, I guess. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know a lot about, about the son. Uh, I, I think if, if, if I'm not wrong, correct me, John, but he, he's another one of these analytics types. Yes. Yes. Um, That's my concern, well, Domo, because Alec yeah, Halby's going to get a promotion. That, so yeah, that's that, what I'm that's, keeping my eye on. Yeah, because that's been, you know, that's a sore spot with, you know, I mean, that, that's one of the reasons Doug Peterson's not here anymore. Yeah. I mean, he he did not much care for, for the whole analytics thing. He resented the analytics people that were feeding him information for no good reason other than the numbers said something. Um, so, yeah, that's something to watch out for. But I don't, you know, I, I got to believe while it, it's, it, it probably is going to help the standing of some of the analytics people in the organization. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to overstep his bounds, at, at least in the near future. No, go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead, Jed. Um, I wanted to take it back onto the field, if that's okay with you, Damo. Um, sure. It's been a couple of weeks since we had Jan, I think, uh, since Peter King came out with his power rankings of the Eagles at ninth in the overall National Football League and fourth in the NFC. I know power rankings really mean nothing other than a an educated opinion, and there's no more educated opinion than Peter King, but it is just that. It's a kind of like a beauty contest. But pressure comes with it. I'm a, I guess I'm a pressure guy today, worried about pressure. Um, do the Eagles deserve, have they earned, have they merited a status as high as not only top 10, top 9 in the National Football League as of their roster with all the changes they made this offseason now? Yeah. Well, I mean, they made the playoffs last year, so that puts them in the top 14 before the offseason even got started. Uh, you know, you look at the moves they've made. I mean, clearly uh, 
everyone, including Peter, has acknowledged that they had one of the better off seasons. So, you know, I would say nine or ten is, is pretty fair. Um, you know, there's a there's a you know, beyond, you know, beyond Tampa, the Rams and Green Bay. I think there's you know, I mean, I, I think it's clearly those are the three best teams in the NFC. After that, I think you could put them right there with San Francisco, with the Cowboys. So I think nine's fair. Uh, what you know, the San Francisco team is interesting to me, and I brought this up because they're so similar, at least from how they're being built. Uh, if you look at Peter's top eight teams, and I, I don't have it in front of me, but I do remember the top eight teams all had star quarterbacks, legit right. star quarterbacks. And then the drop-off was the Eagles at nine and the 49ers were at 10 and they don't have, you know, but Jimmy Garoppolo is the one who has proven, you know, he's gotten to the final four twice. He's gotten to the Super Bowl once. Um, I look at that 49ers team, the way they built their team, very similar to what the Eagles are trying to do. You have Trent Williams at left tackle. You know, as a Hall of Fame guy, that's a first ballot Hall of Fame guy. Mm -hmm. uh, George Kittle at tight end. I love Dallas Goddard. He's not George Kittle. Um, A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel, you can kind of – they're similar of different players, but similar as far as talent, production, things like that. The 49ers have the great running game. Nick Bosa, hey, I love Hassan Reddick, but he ain't Nick Bosa. So, you know, the Eagles are sort of what the – they want to become what the 49ers have been. Then we talk about the coach. I should mention the coach. Kyle's yeah. got a little bit more on the resume than Nick Nick Sirianni. Are, are people skipping steps with this Eagles team a little bit because they're enamored, they're a little tipsy on the offseason moves? Well, I think much like San Francisco, John, uh, it, it, it's all going to come down to the quarterback. Uh, I mean, if Trey Lance is what the 49ers hope, uh, you know, they're going to have a damn good team. And, you know, we're going to see what, what, what Jalen, you know, what Jalen Hurts' ceiling is. If it's as high, you know, as, as they're, they're hoping it is, you know, this is a team that can quickly become a Super Bowl contender. If, if he doesn't make much progress over last year, you know, this is just another team that's going to fight for a playoff spot and they're going to be looking for a quarterback next year. So, I mean, that's that to me is the key. I mean, they're going to be better defensively, much better, I think. Um, you know, their offensive line is one of the best in the league. They're adding A.J. Brown is giving them one more playmaker for, you know, for Jalen to throw to. But it, but it all comes down to Jalen. Uh, if he can't get the job done, you know, and it's just a, a, a pretty good team. I mean, if Jalen can be what they hope he can be, if he makes improvement in this, you know, with in the same system again for the first time in, in I don't know how many years since he's been in the same system two years in a row, then this could be a special team. I think. I think it's high school since he's yeah. had the same system. Yeah. 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 And he's you know he's put in a you know I don't know if he can. You know, I I I liked him when they drafted him. Um, you know, I I believed. He could, he, I believe he can be a, a, a franchise quarterback in this league. But, you know, I don't know, and I don't think Howie still knows, which is why we're at the point we're at. But, you know, I'll give the kid credit. He's worked his tail off. Oh, yeah. 
off season, he goes and find, you know, goes out to California. He's, he's been out there until he came back to work with the team where he's been working with a, a quarterbacks coach. Um, you know, he's, he's, there's nothing he's not doing to try to get better. The question is, you know, what's that level going to be? Damo, both you and John may get an email at some point today, an invitation to come down and actually get some grass time tomorrow and uh, watch the Eagles in their major workouts. Uh, now, you've been covering this team long enough that you understand the term two-a-days, which meant <laughs> something back in the 80s. Two-a-days now means hours per necessary and they don't even fill out those two hours. They get out of there before two hours, not two workouts, morning and afternoon. Uh, so things have changed drastically in the National Football League over the time that you've been following them. But the Eagles even more so, maybe than any other team in the National Football League, believe less is more. That because they weren't nearly as injured last year as they had been in the two previous years, they're putting their eggs in the basket of, if we can't practice, we can't get hurt. And they think that that's going to work going forward for them. Uh, it is a very tricky uh, road to walk down and a, a balance to try and strike. Eagles doing this right? Is it better to preserve yourself and uh, err on the side of caution to stay healthy rather than put in extra hours and hours and hours to get ready for an upcoming season? More and more teams are taking that approach. They just want to get to the starting line in, in one piece. Uh, you know, I, I, I the, the physicality that, that you know, I'm, I'm good with that. Uh, you know, I mean, you don't need to hit in the spring, but uh, so, I, but I don't know how much like classroom work they're doing. If it, I mean, if they're comfortable with the level of everybody picking up the system, especially the young guys, you know, uh, if they're if they feel they're getting enough you know, reps in these six uh, OTAs and don't need the mandatory camp. Um, you know, I, I thought they cut it a little bit too much. I don't think this was totally necessary. I would have gone with, uh, you know, with the 10, the 10 OTAs, just, you know, you don't have to hit, you don't have to have 11 on 11s, but get them out in the field doing reps. Now, again, I, I don't know what they're doing in between. Uh, you know, they obviously feel comfortable that they're doing enough that when they get to the starting line, you know, everybody's going to know what they're supposed to do. Uh, so, you know, I, I like this, what they're doing. Uh, and I don't like it uh, because I, you know, I mean, I like it from the standpoint that they probably will be healthy when they get to week one. The question is, are they going to be ready mentally week one with, especially a lot of these young guys? I mean, I, I have no doubt Jalen is going to be ready. I mean, he's, you know, like we talked about second year in this same system for the first time, there are going to be no problems there, but you're, you're trying to integrate AJ Brown, uh, you know, other guys, you know, those are questions where I think a couple of extra OTAs might've helped, but I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it's a big negative. I don't think it's a big positive. Yeah. I'm kind of torn on that one as well, Damo, because I'm like on one hand, you know, and I always say it and you'll probably agree and, uh, anyone who's been around the NFL for a long time knows you know, I, we've all yet to meet the coach that doesn't want to practice. I mean, they want to prepare, 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 but you do have these restrictions uh, from the CBA and they keep getting scaled back and scaled back and scaled back. So I've kind of hit that point where I'm like, well, you can't prepare like you want to prepare anyway. So exactly. you might as well get to week one as healthy as possible. So I kind of lean on the Eagles side of it, 
And then the scale back of, of team drills, as you mentioned, there's no team drills uh, for the Eagles in OTAs. They're going strictly seven on sevens. And I say to myself, well, I mean, I guess you can argue run fits and making sure people are hitting their landmarks. But other than that, offensive and defensive linemen, when you don't have pads on, what that? I mean, they're like cosplaying for effect. They're like stand-ins in a Hollywood movie. I mean, why why make them stand out there? So I kind of understand the Eagles' perspective. So I want to ask you from a league-wide standpoint, do they just not care about preparation because they know people aren't going to turn off the TV <laughs> no matter what the product looks like? This is union-driven, as you guys know. I mean, and the, 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 the league was willing to give them this you know a lot uh, and i think and then also covid kind of played into this they yeah they didn't get a chance to practice at all during covid and the, the league and, and the league still was as popular as ever the games were as popular as ever the ratings so i mean I, the, the union grabbed onto that and said you know you know you don't we don't need to be out there uh and the league you know the league is doesn't care i mean the owners only care about the bottom line and the ratings and all that stuff and so they were willing to make uh, concessions to the union with respect to, to off-season work uh, in, in exchange for, you know, for other things, for the 17-game season, for eventually the 18-game season, uh, extra playoff games. You know, all this stuff that the union once said, never, never. We will never do this. It's, you know, our, our players, it's suicide. Well, then, the, you know, then suddenly – you know, they realized well they realized it back then but they that you're, they're get players are making more money now because the the cap number's gone way up with all of this and so they're willing you know in exchange they said well at least you know we don't want to work work during the off season and we don't want to have to report till may or april or whatever it is we, you know limit the otas and that's what they've done and you know there are coaches that have 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 howled. I mean, when John, before John Gruden's uh, was, was, you know, drummed out of the league, he, he constantly was talking about how a big a negative this was limiting off season work, especially when you have a young quarterback. Um, but, you know, basically it wasn't important enough for them to, to, to hold firm on it. Damo, even though the Eagles will have limited quote unquote team, which means for me, 11 and 11, action here in preseason they do have at least one if not a couple different places where they need to determine who's actually going to be their starter who's going to be the guy who's going to man the most snaps at that position one of the kind of things that sticks out is is uh right uh right guard um i asked zach berman yesterday a percentage question in this area i want to ask you the same not question but a percentage question as well isaac samalo one of three things is going to happen. Either he's going to be the Eagles starting right guard. Either he's going to be a backup to a guy like Jack Driscoll or uh, a situational substitution guy, which we know on the offensive line means basically not playing because they don't shuttle guys in and out like they do on the defensive line. Or he could be traded that the Eagles could take the depth that they have at offensive line and say, hey, we could move Isaac and get something uh, that could fortify a different position for us those three possibilities 100 percent break down the way you see it isaac starting isaac backing up isaac out of town and they have to add up to 100 percent. correct <laughs> that's the tough part Tom. 
Let's see, Isaac starting, I'm going to put it 60%, 65%. All uh, right. Isaac being traded, uh, 25%. And that leaves 10% uh, backup. I, you know, I, I just, you know, they're going to probably, Dillard or, or, or Isaac, one of them is going to be gone. You, I mean, you can't keep all these veteran starters, uh, you know, veteran or guys that can't start. I, you know, Dillard seems the guy you would continue to hang on to until, um, you know, you hope somebody gets hurt for another team in late August and is desperate for a left tackle. Isaac, you know, I mean, I, I, I mean, I like Jack Driscoll, I think, but I think if Isaac's healthy, he's, he's, you know, I want him as my starting guard. So uh, that's, that's the way I look at it. Yeah. And if you, to me, it kind of looks like, are, do you really think you're a contender? If you're a top 10, 10 team, I'm going with yeah. Isaac Sayamalo. I kind of know, though, the plan is Jack to be the starter in 2023. So, you know, on the other hand, it, you know, you might say, well, let's get this thing started anyway. Let's continue to develop Jack Driscoll, maybe yeah. spin off Isaac Samalo if you can for a safety. Chuck Clark, are you listening, Baltimore? Um, <laughs> you know, a lot of different ways how we can go with it. But I do think Isaac is valuable at the bare minimum. We talk about the Eagles' depth, and they have unbelievable depth on the offensive line compared to other teams in the NFL. But if you start losing Andre Dillard and Isaac Samalo, well, there's a big difference between those guys and LaRaven Clark and Suo Peta. So it drops off pretty, pretty quickly. It's kind of a tightrope when you talk about depth on the offensive line. And nobody know, knows about losing offensive linemen more than the Eagles over the past couple of years. So it's important to have those guys. Absolutely. And, and you know, I'm, like you said, they've, they've experienced what it's like to, to not have enough depth. So they, they don't want to be caught short here, which is why I think they'll, you know, they'll, uh, they'll go on the side of caution here. And, and not, unless there's an offer made, like you mentioned, getting a safety that could really help them defensively. You know, you, maybe you do that deal. Otherwise I think you stand pat. And, 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 you know, and, and have these guys in case somebody gets hurt, you know. Which is probably going to happen at some point. Oh, yeah. it, it has happened in years past. And Lane's not getting younger. Um, you, for, Jason. Yeah, Jason, obviously, at his age. And they, they have Cam. They've added Cam Jurgens as well. But people forget, you know, Jordan Mailata at his size, he's had some back injuries in the past. He's had some you know, issues with that and, you know, the assumption that he's going to be there, the assumption that anybody's going to be there for 17 games, as you talked about with the increase and in, in what it does to the body is kind of, uh, you, you start up to, you have to start thinking about depth a little bit more than even in the past. I would, I would say. Yeah. And with 17 games also, I mean, you're going to see more and more teams kind of figure out a way to to, to, to rotate, to, to, to control the number of snaps guys are taking so that you don't yeah. get to, you know, you don't get to week 18 and, and a guy's, you know, got nothing left in the tank for the playoffs. So, you know, that's what, that, I mean, even if guys don't get hurt, you might want to consider uh, occasionally rotating guys in. All right, Damo, we need another prediction out of you. Um, which of your Eagle brethren, McMullen included, um, will be the one to write the article about 
AJ Brown takes Devontae Smith under his wing. Uh, the the, the mentor protege <laughs> relationship, which I think is always overstayed. Oh, remember, remember how Tyree Smacks who was like a puppy dog following around James Harden his first week here in town? How'd that work out? Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, you got the veteran wide receiver, veteran of all of three years as compared to the second year uh, guy in Devontae Smith. Is that a you've been covering teams long enough, Damo? How often is that actually the case that a guy uh, really learns from a teammate who comes in from out of town, new guy, new face, has more of a resume? Is that a legit thing? You know, if 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 Devonte came from uh, Liberty University and, and hadn't played four years at Alabama, uh, you know. I could see where, you know, having a, an a elder statesman to kind of guide him would help. You know, he doesn't need any help. Uh, Devontae yeah. is starting with his training. I mean, uh, I forget who wrote a story during the offseason on just uh, just what he what he went, you know, what his training regimen. And so I don't I, you know, I, they're going to I think there'll be there'll be chemistry between them. I think they'll work well together. Uh, but I don't think uh, A.J. Brown is going to have any impact on Devonte as far as uh, guiding him into uh, the next level. Yeah, it was Josh. I'll give Josh Tolentino credit. He got that right. old old Inquirer budget, Tama. You know that they sent him down there, so that was good. He got uh, and and Devonte is Devonte. I got to tell you, he's the weird because he's 166 pounds, soaking wet. We talk about it ad nauseum coming out of the draft, but. He's really strong for he's he's got this weird he's got these massive hands he's he's yeah. he, he's just a, a weird uh, makeup that you don't expect and he's really strong so I'll, I'll go this direction with you when it comes to the receivers not the mentor mentee relationship but getting the football um, now we start to talk about you know embarrassment of riches we talked about this team can't kind of can't find a receiver. Now you got to get the ball to AJ Brown. You got to get the ball to Devonte Smith. You got to get the ball to Dallas Goddard. I'm not even worried about the Quaz Watkins of the world because you can't be worried about it. Mm-hmm. Um, is everybody going to be happy um, now that there's so many potential difference makers on the offensive side of the football? You know, that's always a delicate balance, John. Uh, I mean, and right now we don't know, you know how much 11 personnel they're going to play as opposed to 12 personnel. Um, you know, you got a guy like Miles Sanders who's you know getting close to hoping to get another contract, which you know I, I'm skeptical he's going to get here. But, you know, he needs touches. He needs both in the passing game and the run game. Is he going to get them? Is he going to be happy if he doesn't? I think A.J. Brown will be fine. Uh, you know, I, I think the, the receivers will be okay. Uh, and, and Goddard's already got his new deal. So um, that's true. Know. Money will make you happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, now is not the time to cry. So yeah. yeah. Then AJ Brown should be the happiest of yes. all. Yes. And I think, you know, the thing is they love Jalen Hurts so much. I mean, the one thing this kid is, is, is a great leader and yeah. you know, his, his receivers aren't going to whine and, and, and complain about him not getting them the ball. I mean, at least not publicly. They might uh, try to uh, campaign and lobby with him on, on the side, uh, but I think you know I don't think that's going to be a major issue. Uh, 
Uh, I'm just curious to see how this offense is going to run. I mean, it's not going to, they're not going to run the ball as much as they did last year, but they're still going to, you know, there's going to be some sort of balance and there's, you know, we're going to, we're going to find out how Nick is going to do that, but we won't know that until, uh, you know, until week one. By the way, I'm predicting a, uh, Devontae Smith listed at least 175. When the Eagles come out with the official uh, measurements I've pounded, I'm guaranteeing you they bump him up a couple of pounds this year. And he will have put on at least some muscle during the offseason. Just a prediction from yours truly. I, you mentioned uh, Miles Sanders. Our buddy Jeff Knox from Inside the Eagles uh, had a spot on his, uh, we- his website the other day about what a Miles Sanders contract could look like uh, tapped into a sport track expert to project exactly what kind of deal he could uh, qualify for. And he said three years, $12 million, which is only four and change a year. Not outrageous, but you're making a commitment going forward. If he were to sign a, and I think he said at that dollar, he'd be the 19th highest paid back in the NFL, which is not outrageous by any stretch of the imagination. If something like that were in the offing, would the Eagles do something like that, Damo? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, you're right. The money wouldn't be awful. Uh, but, you know, they got to ask themselves, do they want, you know, going forward, are, are they, do they want two backs that are so similar uh, as him and Gainwell? And, and, and Gainwell's more of an accomplished receiver than, than Sanders is. So, I mean, in my, you know, if Miles – I mean, the thing that frustrates me about Miles, even you know, this far into his career, is he still won't take the ball inside. I mean, it's not his unless yeah. he has no choice, and 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 he has to. And, and I don't know that he's ever going to learn that. And you know, I don't like I said, I don't think he's a natural receiver. He can catch the ball, but he's not. He's not like Gainwell. You can where you can line up anywhere on the field. He can he can run wide receiver routes. Uh, I just no matter what the contract is, I'd be and, and I'm not. I can't see. Sanders taking that deal, uh, a deal like that. I think he'd, he'd want more, thinks he can get more somewhere else. So, um, you know, I, I just don't think he's going to be here for a second contract. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one uh, for Miles coming in on that contract year. And I think Nick Sirianni loves the committee approach as well. So that's part of it. I, You know, he's going to get Kenny Gainwell involved, and who knows? Uh, we'll see if Boston Scott and anyone else, and we'll give Kennedy Brooks a shout-out, Oklahoma hey, kid, hey. Adama. Uh, yeah, could potentially make this team in the Jordan Howard spot. So we'll see. And you know, now that we have the 16-man practice squad, Damo, they're going to keep that. Maybe Jordan Howard will get the phone call now, and they'll stash yeah. him on the on the practice squad because nobody else ever calls Jordan, so who knows? Exactly. Um, yeah, I'll end it here with you. I want to go to the 33rd team so uh, everyone can read Damo there, and he's going to be on jacobsports.com uh, as well as we get closer to the season. Uh, Mike Tannenbaum, who uh, former GM in this league, is doing a, a group of tier uh, sort of uh, articles that I've liked over at the 33rd team. And he, and he did the quarterbacks, and he had seven different tiers sort of amongst the starters or people that could potentially be starters. And he had Jalen Hurts way down in tier six. And, and tier six are players that you can win with if the situation around them is ideal. A little bit too harsh, 
or is that where Jalen Hurts should be until he proves otherwise? Yeah, I might have moved him up one tier. Um, but, you know, I think Mike's in the in the Chris Sims category, uh, you know, not big on, on Jalen. I mean, there are a lot of people out there that don't think his arm's strong enough, don't think his decision-making ever will be uh, good enough to be an elite quarterback. Um, you know, you're, I think he does have to prove himself, but right now I, I might have put him up uh, one more tier than Mike did. All right, so then let me finish with you uh, in trying to evaluate Jalen even further. If Chris Sims has him 25th, and oh, by the way, as Carson Wentz 19th, the latest grouping of Sims's list came out today, and we knew Carson was on there somewhere. He's at 19, Jalen was at 25. And yeah, he put all those second-year quarterbacks just ahead of him, Wilson and Fields, and I forget who the third one was. Trevor. Uh, Trevor Lawrence. Lawrence, right. And Mac Jones is up there with uh, uh, Carson Wentz in the teens. And uh, Tannenbaum had him down on tier number seven. What statistic? We can all judge by our eyes. And uh, three relatively well-spoken uh, football guys been watching for a long time. I think we can say, listen, we've seen a lot of quarterbacks. Here's what we see. Here's what we know. People want numbers. People want to have a statistic they can grab onto in the analytical world in which we live. You got to give me something behind just so I know what I see. What cat? What statistic, what category do you think Jalen Hurts really needs to take? Not just a step up, but a major step up to get guys who are going to do these rankings next year to be able to hang their hat on and go, yeah, I got to make Jalen Hurts a top half of the NFL rankings type player because he did this last year. What's the category that you think can move the needle most in people's evaluations of Jalen? Well, Joey, I think there's there's two that I use a lot when I when I'm trying to gauge the quality of a quarterback, and that's third down passing and red zone passing. Uh, you know, you look at the great quarterbacks; both of them excel in those areas because they have to. I mean, that's that's. That's how you move the football. That's how you score points. Uh, Jalen has struggled in, in those areas. Last year, his numbers weren't very good. Um, some of it was circumstantial, uh, the, them running the ball so much and him running the ball so much. I mean, they had he only had four red zone touchdown passes in the last eight games. I mean, that's a that's a horrible number. Uh, and But again, there were some circumstances. Uh, he also had, you know, 10 rushing touchdowns. I mean, a lot of times when they were in the red zone, he was running it. Uh, rather than throwing it, but those numbers have to improve. I mean, he has to be, you know, somebody on what he's got to find a receiver, whether it's, whether it's uh, Goddard, whether it's AJ Brown, somebody that becomes his guy in the red zone, like Wentz when he was playing well had with Zach Ertz. And then on third down, you know, he needs to excel. I mean, they, they need to stay out of third and long, but when he gets in a third and five, he needs to be like, along the lines of a Brady where that's kind of automatic. You're going to get that first down because you're going to find somebody open. And unless they drop it, it's going to be a first down. So those are two categories I look at, Jody. Yeah, I like both of them. Uh, they are keys that we can keep our eye on 
and we'll see if the tight end you mentioned Brady, uh, that Gronk guy. Wonder if he's going to go back and play again this year. Still not signed with the Buccaneers. If uh, Goddard becomes that guy for uh, her, it should be very interesting. Uh, Damo, looking forward to you joining the team at jacobsports.com. We'll continue reading on the 33rd team as well. And uh, we'll be punching you right back up here on Birds 365 in a couple of weeks. Thanks for jumping on today. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care. Paul Domowitz here with us on uh, Birds 365. We'll be along with my partner, John McMullen, a contributor on jacobsports.com. Go ahead and uh, uh, mark that down as one of your must-travel-to websites on a day-in, day-out basis right there on your screen. jacobsports.com, which John McMullen, I think, is doing 22 articles a day for now. Yeah, um, yeah, jacobsports.com. Uh, Bird Street, your one-stop shop is what I'm calling it, Jody, because you can get uh, all the articles, but you can get the shows. You can get Birds 365. So instead of searching for it, Sports State Guys, National Football Show, you get it all in one spot. Uh, you can subscribe, join the email list, uh, subscribe to the YouTube page, like, share, do it all. Do it all, jacobsports.com. At jacobsports.com. All right, uh, McDonald and McMullen coming back here. Hoping to hear from Clark Judge. I just got a text from Clark. Should be good to go. Uh, national football writer on uh, Talk of Fame. Yeah, we got two Hall of Fame guys. How about That's, that? I oh, didn't shoot. Think of it. Yeah. I didn't bring that up with Tom. We should have yeah. done that. Yeah. There's how many on the Too much. 60-something? Uh, I should know this number off the top of my head. I think they have 60-some-odd uh, Hall of Fame voters. And if you got two of the 60-something on one given show, that's pretty good. Yeah. I forgot that Damo would die. Damo's just our buddy, but uh, he is still the Philadelphia representative for the Hall of Fame. Uh, Clark Judge, another Hall of Fame voter, will be joining us a little bit later here on Birds 365. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze. And the Oz. Go for the bubbles. And the bubbly. Go for the story. And the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. News. 
We cherish every moment, and it's our profound responsibility to bring you closer to your world. Never miss a moment. Trust the people at Action News. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk Champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready, all right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mama. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You got Mag and Mac with you here on Birds 365 on the Jacob Media YouTube channel, which you can access through jacobmediasports.com. However, you got a hold of us. Thanks for jumping in, streaming in with us today on this uh, OTA Thursday, which John McMullen suggests he could be getting an email today that says, come on yeah. down to uh, the... I expect that text tomorrow. at uh, 6 tonight. Six-ish. After, after business hours. <laughs> is, is that usually the way they did do it? Wait till after uh, they don't give you a full day's notice in advance? Yeah, it depends. It, it always depends, but uh, I haven't gotten it yet, so I'm, a, I'm expecting the six o'clock. What uh, does it depend on? Schedule, you know, the head coach, uh, how he wants to set things up, uh, and they have to work around the schedule, so. Uh, they do, you know, I'll give the PR people credit. They do need to, you know, carve out these times to where are we going to get to talk to the players, the coaches um, before practice or after practice, things like so they have to figure out the windows is basically the the bigger problem. But, you know, maybe a little uh, forward planning, maybe, maybe. No, it's it's been a couple of months since any kind of workout slash activity uh, has been attached to media availability that you guys have gotten. Um, last year, now of course, Nick Ciardi, wet behind the ears, just getting underway with his first couple eagle workouts, handled it one way. It did change at one point during the season last year, if I remember correctly, and I'm not one of you guys. I'm not there every single day. Didn't he go from before after practice to before practice, how do you yeah, think it's going to yeah. lay out with your getting a chance to pick Nick's brain? Uh, I think it's going, you know, you're right. It, it, it sort of became a comfort level and he, he went, uh, I think it was before uh, and then after 
which after is better because you got to see what happened on the field. Um, but it's all timing and what he feels comfortable with. And, you know, these two days, because they're going to have one day open this week, one day open next week, they're just trying to get through them. I don't think it's going to tell us much about the, the training camp schedule or the, the regular season schedule, um, which is a lot easier the regular season because you don't have to open up the whole practice and all that kind of stuff. So it, it basically comes down to what the coach is more comfortable with. And, you know, there's coaches who want to be more clandestine and, and then they want to talk before practice because they don't have to deal with all the questions about practice and vice versa. Some, some like it, some don't want to deal with it. They want to focus on what they want to get accomplished. So it, it's all the feel of the coach really. That's true. And uh, the head coach is the one who's implementing everything. And with the Eagles this offseason compared to last offseason compared to the year before, there have been some pretty good changes. And uh, every team in the NFL changes every single year, but some change more than others. Uh, be interesting to see how it, the, the changes affect the Eagles this year. We know they're going to be actually doing less. Nick is on, uh, he's already on online, having said that. They're not going to do much 11 on 11, not in the OTAs. Zero. No 11 on 11. And during these OTAs before they get to camp. So uh, Jonathan Gannon needs to take his marching orders from that coach because that coach and how he decide how much work is actually going to get done. And then uh, the head coach tells his coordinators, here's the time you're going to have, and here's how we're going to go about doing this. I think Gannon's the one who's actually a little handicapped here. Because I think the Eagles' defense will be more different this year compared to last year than the Eagles' offense will be. Yeah, you're plugging in A.J. Brown, which is going to be a major upgrade for the offense. But the offense is still very similar to the one that they finished up last season with. We got a chance to have a significantly different defense this year, which I'm sure Jonathan Gannon would like to get his hands on ASAP and actually start to evaluate the best way to use these players only he's not going to get much of a chance to do that in OTAs, is he? Uh, no, uh, certainly. But, I mean, part of it is he'll get to look at the back seven. He'll get to look at the corners and safeties, which might be the most important part of it all because there's such uncertainty at safety and there's, you know, you got to integrate James Bradbury into the mix. Um He'll get plenty of time to look at those guys in seven-on-sevens. The... The front, you know, what can you do anyway? Uh, you know, there's no physicality. So that's kind of what I was talking about with Damo. It's like you're not allowed to practice it. So it's more about teaching and fundamentals and technique work. And they'll be doing all that stuff in individual drills. And then you don't know about the physicality until you have to be physical. And you're not allowed to be physical. So we're not going to learn anything about Jordan Davis as far as that part of the game and what kind of impact he's going to have, just like the offensive line. But we know the difference is we know we've seen enough of Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson and even Jordan Mailata and Landon Dickerson as young players. You've seen it. You've seen how physical they are. And you know it's going to show up when it needs to show up. You don't know that about Jordan Davis, you hope. You don't know. We've talked about the impact, but you don't know. You don't know 
what Hassan Reddick's going to look like in this overhang sort of defense that Jonathan Gannon is envisioning because we haven't seen it. We've seen him in Carolina and Arizona. So, you know, a little bit from that standpoint, but until you see how it integrates here, you know, the linebackers we've talked a lot about, because how do you fit those three pieces together? Uh, TJ Edwards, Kaiser White, and Kobe Dean. We're not going to get a lot of that uh, until training camp, you know, how it fits together. Um, Right. So, but you'll you get did... to look at the back, the back seven a little bit. Well, I was going to say back seven. Is it really the back seven or is it the back four? If you're not going to be able to judge more... the linebackers, that kind of reduces seven to four, does it not? Well, seven on sevens is, is the back seven. So you are going to have some linebackers mixing in probably, you know, and it's going to be interesting from that point in, you know, who's the nickel linebackers, who's the dime linebacker, at least early on, you you, you generally aren't going to play, you know, dime a whole heck of a lot, even in the modern NFL. You're not going to have seven defensive backs on the field. Uh, maybe, you know, in third and 30 situations, you might have it, uh, but not much other than that. Um, so you'll get to see a little bit of the linebackers, but only in pass coverage. So much of the linebacker position, even today, is about, all right, yeah, you got to cover people, but you also have to be able to at least be serviceable in run support. Sure. And the the serviceable in run support part of it, we're not going to know, Jody. We're not, we're not going to know until the pads come on really right that you never know but that's that's every team that's why that i think jonathan gannon is kind of up against it here with these six days of otas what is he really going to be able to learn not all of a lot because how do you incorporate jordan davis into the offensive line what kind of effect does it have uh you, you, we're all suspecting that Hassan reddick is going to be a major part of the eagles defense this year but is it going to be as a defensive end? Is it going to be as a Sam linebacker outside a defensive end? We're not going to get any clue of that during the next couple of weeks here until they actually put on pads, until they actually practice 11 on 11. We're all just speculating. Jonathan Gannon, A, would probably like to get some answers, but even if he get them, he wouldn't tip his hand and tell anybody, so they'll probably keep it under wraps. When you guys are allowed in there, that's the thing that intrigues me about this team right now. And Jalen Hurts is the quarterback, and we're all going to talk about Jalen Hurts and everybody's list as to where he falls and what his future is. And the Eagles tried to get a better quarterback and the Sean Watson and Russell Wilson, but now they're staying with Jalen. The offense is the offense, and we know the offense drag drives the attention bus. But I think the more intriguing aspect of the Eagles this year is going to be the defense because, A, they've upgraded the talent. They've given Jonathan Gannon, quote-unquote, weapons to work with. He's a debatable individual. Some people love him. Some people can't stand him. I think he did a pretty darn good job. If it's an either a yay or a nay answer, I'd be more yay than nay. But I understand that uh, last year he didn't have the ability to do everything he wanted. Will he have more in the ability to do that with the roster changes the Eagles have made? 
yeah, it's kind of frustrating that uh, we think yeah, that we always, could be getting yeah. answers, but we're going to get nothing out of these uh, yeah. two weeks of OTA. And I kind of look at it a little bit differently. I don't look at it offense versus defense. I look at it passing game versus running game. You know, how many times have I said it, Jody? Uh, nobody cares about the running game. And in, 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 I say it in April. I say it in May. Now I'll say it in June. Nobody right. cares. Nobody cares. Nobody pays attention to it. Part of it is not only the way the game has shifted, but part of it is you can't care about it this time of year. There's nothing you can do anyway. I mean, you can you can hand the ball off. Kennedy Brooks, I was talking about with Damo, his wife's an Oklahoma gal. So, you know, is Kennedy Brooks going to be an undrafted rookie that might surprise people? Well, how the heck am I going to know? There's no pads. There's no physicality. I don't know what he's going to be able to do at the point of attack. I don't know if Kaiser White is a glorified safety playing linebacker. He's going to get run over by the landed Dickersons of the world pulling or Jordan Mylotta. I don't know because we're not going to get to see that. Um, and it works on both sides of the ball. So we'll get to see the chemistry of the quarterback and the receivers, and we'll get to see the chemistry of the corners and the safeties. Um, and and But then versus the running game, we're not going to get to see how have Jordan Davis fits or Hassan Reddick's, but we're also not going to see, you know, what are the running backs like at the point of attack? The, here's the here's the difference, though, Jody. We know the Eagles could run the football. We know how good the offensive line is. We know what the quarterback means to the running game is sort of that plus one. So it was Miles Sanders, five and a half yards per carry. Uh, you know, Boston Scott, seven touchdowns and limited uh, touches. Everybody, Kenny Gainwell, uh, uh, Jordan Howard, everybody could run the football behind that offensive line. Everybody. We don't know that about the defense. One of the biggest problems with the defense, their inability to stop the run. And they're, the opposing uh, offenses were too often in third and shorts, uh, third and short situations. So we don't know that about the defense. So it is going to be more frustrating for the defense. But I think I think overall it's passing game we learn a little about, running game we learn zero, zip. Give me the Jody Mack, zero. I mean, not 100% when we do, I'll leave it open 2%. No, zero, zero percent <laughs> about the running game. All right, but let, let me follow up with a question. And again, appreciate to all our streamers, not only those of you who are tuning in, but those of you who comment in our comment section. Um, guy commented just a couple of minutes ago, uh, Tom Carey, we need a power running back. I still want to pound the rock and keep our OL happy. How much of that is actually a factor, John? That and I well, guess they like I'm to asking, run the ball. They I'm do. asking you to jump into the mind of Nick Sirianni and Kevin Petullo and, and everyone uh, who's involved with putting the Eagle game plan together on a week in week out basis. You just yourself mentioned how good our offensive line is. That's why the Eagles led the league in, in rushing last year. How much of the decision-making factor on play calling is, and oh, by the way, the offensive line loves it. They love to go forward. Every offensive line that I've ever uh, read about, talked about, covered, 
everybody would prefer to run block the pass block if you're on the offensive line because you're initiating contact. You're going forward. You're the guy who's taking the first step advantage rather than going backwards and having your opponent try and uh, beat you or dictate to you. How much is that actually a factor in your mind? You know, the only first year with Seriati, so uh, you've had a year to analyze his game plan and get to know him and try and uh, match wits with him. How much do you think actually comes into play? Yeah, we can really make our offensive linemen happy by calling running play. I was going to go when you were talking. I was going to go 0%, but I won't go 0 I'll go up to 5%. Sometimes when you're in the game, and, you know, people get fired up and the offensive line is blowing people off the ball. Maybe maybe Lane will go up to Nick and say, let's go, you know, something like that. And, you know, you keep you keep riding the momentum. So I'll say a little bit, but not much more than that. Um, you know, it's a passing league. It is what it is. And that you saw the Eagles in the first seven, really six games. You know, they wanted to throw the ball. They really did. They just couldn't. And and Nick, not consistently at least. And uh, Nick, to his credit, adjusted. And that's what good head coaches do. And he said, you know what? I got a really young quarterback who's still learning. I got maybe the best offensive line in football. Let's ride the offensive line. And they shifted and they made the playoffs because of it. And he deserves credit for it. But they know long-term, and this starts with Jeffrey Laurie. We we started the show talking about Jeffrey and Julian Laurie. It comes from Jeffrey Laurie on down. You know, this is a passing league. We want a high-octane passing offense. They want a, a ahead of the curve when it comes to imagination passing offense. They just paid a wide receiver $100 million. As you just mentioned, as Damo just mentioned, they just gave Dallas Goddard a big-time extension for a tight end. They want to throw the football. They drafted Devontae Smith at number 10 overall. They don't want to not use these players. They want to throw the football. But if they get into week four and they start struggling, and Nick says, we can't win games like this because the quarterback uh, can't do it consistently, he'll go back to what he did last year. Here's where I, I like your number of 5%. You're right. It's not zero, but it's damn close to zero. I'll give you where it is zero. First possession, second possession, third possession. The only time that I think that actually creeps into the mind of the play caller is up by two scores, minimum of double digits, and you're in the second half of a game. If you're in the second half of a game and you got a second and five, you say, hmm can keep the clock running, and I can make my offensive lineman happy choosing between a running play and a uh, passing play. Yeah, let me let me throw a bone to the O-line. Let him go nuts. Let him drive block. Let me call a, a running play. That's when it comes into play. Only time. First period, second period. No, you got to be up by double digits and then looking to keep the clock rolling when you would let it factor into your thinking that, yeah, let me give the offensive line what they want. They'd rather run block yeah. than they'd rather pass. It's a momentum thing, and you just nailed it down to a specific situation. You know, game day on the field, success, yeah, you might say, all right, let me throw them a bone. It's a, it's purely a momentum thing. But nobody, yeah, nobody's trying, oh, we got to make Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey happy during the week game planning. No, 
Doesn't work like that. Not, not coming into play. All right. Uh, Mac and Mac guy is going to take a timeout. Uh, Clark Judge from Talk of Fame scheduled to join us uh, for the final uh, half an hour of today's show. Uh, Mac and Mac talking to Clark Judge of Talk of Fame next on Birds 365. Go for the polls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Mommy Slam Dunk Champion. Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mom. Mama, go up, mama! She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen and Jody McDonald. Here with you on Birds 365. We are adding a third voice to the list. He is a writer and host on Talk of Fame's network and also host on the I Test for Two podcast. I got to tell you, Clark Judge, that's one of the best names I've uh, come across for podcasts. I love it. Uh, thank you very much for joining us here today. Yeah, thanks for the plug, Jody. Appreciate it. 
Yeah, I like the title too, Clark. Uh, and I like the the whole mentality, especially for for a Hall of Fame voter. I I like that thought process because I think we we lose uh, some of that eye test uh, over the years. But I guess we'll start out because I always love when we have Hall of Fame voters. Um, and we had Damo on, by the way, earlier. This is a Hall of Fame show, Clark. Um, Damo's one uh, of the greats. He's one of the greats. I love he, Paul. He truly is. Um, and I, and I want to look, because we know who's going in this year, and it's coming up very quickly, obviously. But I want to start looking at uh, next year's class. Yeah. And Jody's, you know, Jody's a Jets fan. I think you know that. And, yep. and that's one guy I look at, Darrell Rebus. Uh, Rebus Island, I think, has an opportunity uh, to be that, that first ballot Hall of Famer. Then after Darrell, who would you say are the most impressive sort of first-time candidates? I'd put somebody ahead of Darrell. I'd put Joe Thomas ahead of him. Oh, okay. I, I yeah. think Joe Thomas is a lock. I'm not convinced that Darrell is a lock. I think he probably will be. Um, we've had a penchant for first ballot Hall of Famers lately. This year, that's not the case. We didn't have one first ballot Hall of Famer, and that broke um, a run in the last um, I, the last, last four years. Of the 20 Hall of Famers, modern era, I'm talking about modern era, 10 of those 20 or half the classes have been first ballot. And, and that's an issue with some of the voters, including me, because I think first ballot should be reserved for those who you don't have to get up and make a case for. So you stand up and say Jim Brown and you sit down, stand up yeah. and say Joe Montana. But that's happened. I mean, when Ira Miller made Joe Montana's case, he stood up and said, Joe Montana and sat down. <laughs> Peyton Manning had happened. And then I remember Brett Favre, um, the, uh, the the voter from um, uh, Green Bay, uh, Pete Doherty, said, I, I've got a speech here. And he looked around the room. He goes, what am I doing with this speech? He just threw it up in the air. He goes, Brett Favre. And that was it. We, we applauded and said, thank you. And, and let's move on. Um, so I think those are the first ballot guys. So this year, I'm talking about 2022, the most likely guy was DeMarcus Ware. But you don't stand up and say DeMarcus Ware and sit yeah. down. And, yeah. and there was a convincing case made by Rick Goslin for him. And I thought he'd probably make it, A, because certainly Hall of Fame worthy. And secondly, because we've been inclined to put as many first ballot guys in as we can. That didn't happen. And I was really glad to see what we did. There was a cleanup, including Sam Mills, of course, who you guys know from Philadelphia yeah. with the stars. But um, but um it was it was good to see because there were guys who've been waiting at the door. And those guys, those are the guys I feel for. They're waiting and waiting. What's the hurry unless there's a Joe Montana or Jim Wright, uh, Jerry Rice or Jim Brown that comes along. And so next year, I think Joe Thomas is, is that guy. Darrell Rivas probably is that guy. And I would think those two would be the most likely. Then um, I'd, I'd have to look. I know Doomerville's up. I'm trying to think who else is on there. Uh, maybe James. No, not James Harrison. I, anyway, but th there are numbers of guys who. You go, yeah, okay. James. Uh, James is up. Uh, okay. James so, Harrison. So he's with yes. Dwight Freeney. You know, no, Dwight Freeney was the guy I was trying to think of. Yeah. But Dwight Freeney is up there with Robert Mathis now. Now, Robert Mathis has been he was waiting, you know, this year. And so do Mathis and Freeney split the vote. Uh, who do you like better? And they probably do split the vote. So one of those two goes in first. I would think both eventually get in. But who goes in first? Is Freeney jumping? And is Freeney a guy that you go, Dwight Freeney, and sit down? No, he's not. And But but yeah. I'm probably in the minority on that. But I know there are a number of people in that group who feel like that, um, as I do, that you need to simply say the name 
and sit down because that's what first ballot should be. Hasn't quite been that way, honestly, since 2017 when Jason Taylor became a first ballot Hall of Famer. And I'm not knocking Jason Taylor. Now, he's a Hall of Famer, but it surprised everyone, including Armando Salguero from Miami, who was presenting yeah. him, who thought, I, I, I never saw that happening. And Jason well, Taylor told know, us later, he didn't see it happening either. It's interesting, Clark. Sorry, Jody, before you jump in, because I got to cover the Vikings earlier in my career. So the Denny yeah. Green sort of Vikings, yep. and there are yep. a lot of Hall of Famers in that era. And I thought to myself, there were two guys, Chris Dolman, John Randall, who I said, they're going to be Hall of Famers, but they're probably going to have to wait a little bit. Uh, and and they got in really quick. And I would say, Randall McDaniel was the one guy who said, well, he's a Hall of he's, he's going in right away. He didn't. He had to wait a little bit. So my, my question is more on positioning. And you mentioned Jason Taylor, edge yeah. rushers. Right. The, the, you guys seem to have, and by you guys, I mean Hall of Fame voters, really – put an emphasis on, on, on pass rushers and, and is that fair or, or, or unfair? I don't know that it's either. I think it's just sort of a reality. I mean, uh, who do general managers prize cornerbacks, pass rushers and quarterbacks. Um, and so I, I look at that and think you're right, John, you're absolutely right. Because Randall McDaniel would say, well, sure. I mean, he should go in very quickly, but we've got blind spots towards interior alignment, guards and centers in particular. Look at the number of centers that have been put in in the last 23 years, I think, 22 years too, you know, and, and Kevin McWhy was the latest. And, and so, and Demonte Dawson was before him. But um, so we've got kind of blind spots toward, towards certain positions and guards another one. And I think of um, uh, a, a couple guys who, who came out and I'm trying to think of um, uh, Kansas City guard, Will Shields. And Will Shields was bulletproof. I mean, he had 14 years. I think it was 12 yeah. Pro Bowls, seven uh, All Pros. Never missed a practice. Never missed a game. <laughs> and and he waited four years. And he and and I remember in that room, I just said, "What are we missing here?" But we just sort of wait, wait. Alan Fanica, same thing. Just wait, wait. And and eventually they get in. And that, that, to me, I, I think that was sort of an injustice to Will Shields, except. He's in the Hall of Fame. And that's the thing is, that's yeah. why I think first ballot to me has a different meaning than maybe some people think. But to me, it should be the best of the best of the best and, and very difficult to get. But in the end, those guys eventually become Hall of Famers. And as someone pointed out to me a long time ago, what do they call the guy who graduated last in his class in med school? They call him doctor. doctor. Yeah. They call him doctor. Yeah. You know? yeah. So they're all the same. No one says you graduated last year. No, you're yeah. a doctor. These guys yeah. are in the Hall of Fame. So in the end, we get it right. But, but you know, there are some oversights that, um, I, I, that make me sad. And hopefully we'll be able to clean some of that up now with the expanded senior uh, committee and the expanded number of seniors per year for the next three years at least. Once you get that gold jacket, it's the same exact color for all those who get a chance to wear it. So it doesn't matter first time, second time, 20th time. Uh, I want to talk to you about that cleanup because another name that I know you know, um, Ray Dinger, I had a chance to talk to over the weekend. Great guy. Well, I respect Ray as much as anyone in the business, really. And we, it's too bad he's not on the committee now. I mean, we miss someone like him. Ray's uh, retiring from his uh, radio gig. So uh, I'm sorry to, hear that. to just hang with him the other day and shoot the breeze. And he once again said something to me about a conversation Ray and I have had on the air. Oh, 20 times over the years. And that's Joe Klecko's Hall of Fame status. Ray's a temple guy. Joe is a temple guy. I'm a jet guy. Both Ray and I know Joe. 
And both of us look at him as a Hall of Famer. You talk about edge rushers. He was an edge rusher when they needed him to be. He was a tackle when they needed him to be. He was a nose tackle when they needed him to be. He checked all those boxes, and he has been waiting. Never got in through the front door. Can he get in through that side door now with the expanded number of seniors that are being added uh, going forward for the Hall of Fame, in your opinion? He can, and he might. I'm not saying that's going to happen, Jody, because um, I think recently he hasn't really been one of the uh, last final finishers in that senior pool, but they're only taking one each year. And, and, um, and so you go you're taking one senior from the last, what, 70, 80 years. I mean, that includes a lot of people. Um, so he hasn't been a guy, I think that's really high on the radar, but now when you go into nine guys in the next three years and a possibility, a possibility of 18 over the next six, talking to Jim Porter, the hall of fame president, he said, I don't really think out. <clears throat> we said, we revisit this after three years. But we may go another three years by saying three uh, seniors again for the next three, meaning six in total. He wants to get it right. And there is a real feeling within that room that Klecko's one of those guys we should be discussing. That doesn't mean he should be in. He should be discussing. That's what you want. You want the case in front of you to say, was it Klecko? Was it Gastineau? What, who was it here that, that people feared? Who was it? And, and Klecko was a pro bowler at three different defensive positions. That really helps his case. Um, I, I think he's got a chance, but there are a lot of people. I'm, uh, I, I didn't cover the Jets. I covered the <clears throat> Chargers, the Colts, and the, and the 49ers. And when I covered the 49ers, I was sort of surprised that Roger Craig only was a finalist once. You know, yeah. And then you look at, you look at those yeah. 49er teams of the 1980s, and as great as they were, they won four Super Bowls. How many guys from the offense are in the pro football of fame from that 49ers offense? And I'll tell you how many. Two. two, Joe yeah. Montana and Jerry Rice, who wasn't there for two of the four Super Bowls. So you're going to tell me that team was carried by one guy. Um, and as great as Joe Montana was, he wasn't carried by one guy. Now, there are people defensively who were on that team. But but then I look at and again, I'm not I'm not trying to knock them, but we look at the St. Louis Rams. They won what one Super Bowl. Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk, Orlando Pace, Isaac Bruce. And we've got Tory Holt as a final. Tory Holt, yeah. They, yeah. So how dominant were they? They won one Super Bowl. So, um, so those are the things we've got to sort of reexamine. I thought you're going back, Jody. I thought I want to go way back with the Eagles. Al Wister, it's the guy that that is under buy scan. He's a guy that I could not believe wasn't inducted with the Centennial class. I, I've been on his case for a long time. Deserves to be in. I don't know what's missing. <laughs> Um, nine years, I think eight all pros, uh, two times NFL champion, uh, all decade. What's he missing? And what he's missing is he got forgotten. That's what yeah. happened. He fell through the cracks. And so you've now got to you've energize people who never saw him and say, this was a dominant player. If you ran that resume past any voter today, I'd run it past you and say, here's player X, played nine years, eight all pros, two-time uh, Super Bowl champion. Uh, all decade. He was, he was the uh, captain of, of those Super Bowl champions. What's missing? You go, nothing. Put him in first, first ballot. He's been a no ballot. And, and that's the thing that's, that's uh, sad to me. And I, I, I've asked you this before Clark, but I want to get your thoughts again, because it is, I think in football, even more than other sports, 
it, it's difficult because the game has changed so much. So That's I right. think the the modern fan base gets enamored with these huge offensive statistics. You mentioned the greatest show on turf. It might have started there, really, with that Rams offense. Oh, the, Eric Coriel, I'd say, I'd say Eric yeah. Coriel with the Chargers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh, um, as far as the the outrageous numbers, and I always go to Lynn Swan and 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 John Stolworth and players like that, and and even Kenny Stabler as a quarterback and. You know, the numbers are just – they don't look good. They don't look good under a modern lens, and it becomes difficult to explain to somebody who doesn't know how dominant those players were in that era of football. Do you do you find that uh, uh, difficult in the room? Uh, you still have a lot of veteran guys, but as you get uh, newer blood, do you find it more difficult in the room, or is that just more of a sort of – sports talk narrative no no i find it more difficult in the room and I'm, I'm i'm glad you mentioned that john because we opened this but you guys mentioned the eye test for two and how you liked it that numbers i can't tell you the numbers of people who say what does that mean i i, I don't what does that mean i said <laughs> with two people involved you have to pass the eye test what's the eye test and that is talked about in that room not as much now as it was maybe 10 years ago but they say, do they pass the eye test? I mean, you watch Joe Montana one game, you go, this guy's something different. You watch Tom Brady, something different, you know. Um, and I would imagine if you watch Al Wister and studied him, you go, well, this guy stands out. I mean, you just know Jerry Rice stands out. Jim Brown stands out. But um, I, I do find it um, difficult to deal with. I, I understand it. And 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 I, I, I don't like it when people say, um, I, I don't mind old school, but you guys are old. You, you guys are too old. Well, I, I know what I watched, you know, and, and you guys know what you watched. And and it doesn't mean that it's any better, but it is different. It's a very different game. And so I do know when I saw John Unitas play, because I was a kid, but I, I loved watching the Colts. He was the, the best quarterback I'd ever seen because I trusted him to win games. And I don't fall in love with stats as much as I fall in love with who shows up when you need a game to be won. And you look at Michael Jordan, give him the ball. Larry Bird, give him the ball. Um, Unitas, Montana, Jim Brown. He's got, give him the ball at the five-yard line. He's going to get in. Those guys, want, they're, they're people who make it happen. And so, you know, I, I, we've got some people who um, talk about analytics in there. And, and I'll never forget when Morton Anderson's candidacy was up, it, there's, some, there's some people who don't believe that um, specialists should be in. They should, punters, yeah, kick yeah. should be and in. And Justin Tucker should be in right now. Uh, yeah. Do it right now, Clark. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> he'll get in at some point. I think Adam Vinatieri will too. But but there. But it took. You know, we've got three. We've got three. Yeah. In the, in yeah. The, so so Morton Anderson's up at that time. He's the all-time leading scorer, right? Yeah. <laughs> Two-time All-Decade. So some guy was giving these stats on indoors, outdoors, left hash mark, right hash mark. And I'll never forget. There was someone in the room who said, "Wait, wait, wait a second. All I know about Morton Anderson is for two decades, yeah. he was the best at his position. Yes. He's the all-time leading scorer. For two decades, he was all decade, yeah. the best at his position. All-time leading scorer. Every other sport has their all-time leading scorer in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. What are we doing here? At which point, another voter closed the conversation by saying, let's just admit it. We're not putting in punters or kickers. Let's tell them right now. We're not putting them in. No, no, that's not what we're saying. That closed the door. It was it was a contentious argument, but I was glad to hear it because we're both sides. It was good. No, no hard feelings, but there was good feeling. 
But um, and, and he got in. He got in for the right reasons. He, he was a, a, a an elite kicker. I don't care what his percentages were. He won games and, and he was the best at his position for two decades. Well, I think. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Jody. I know. But a specialist. I, I talk about Ray Guy all the time. Uh, me, too. Because I, I, I know like here in Philadelphia, where we are, Clark, they want to run out Aaron Seapost, the, the punter on a rail because he was terrible down the stretch of the last season. Ray Guy, I think, had one year where he was uh, had a better, you know, net punting average than Aaron Seapos, who Eagles fans think is terrible because the game has changed. Mm-hmm. He was the most he was the best punter for how many years? By far, by a stretch, by he was so much better than his peers. That's what I can't get people to understand. Judge people with their peers, not with the different eras. Is that a difficult part of, of your job to sort of convince people? I guess it's difficult, but it's necessary. That's the way to do it, because you can't compare today's wide receivers with yesterday's. Um, when I... If I were playing quarterback, Jody and John, you guys are wide receivers and, and you uh, run, you, you go in in motion, I take the snap and I pitch the ball to you two feet in front of me and you catch it. That's a completion, right? That's a completion. So I've not 100% pass completion percentage. Yet. Um, and, and so it's become more of a horizontal passing game than a vertical passing game. And, and again, when I was mentioning Unitas, I mean, I, I, I've talked to several historians who say, if you watch the, the tape and, 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 I, and I watch zillions of games, but I, I, I've watched him. Um, he was the, the greatest downfield and most accurate down the field passer that I saw. Plus, if you watch his ball handling, people talk about Peyton Manning. Yeah, he was great in play action. Watch Unitas. You know, does Lenny Moore have the ball? LG Dupre. Who's got the ball? You don't know. And then Unitas throwing the ball down the field. And, and so I, I, I grew up enamored with him. And I remember saying to my father, have you any, ever seen anything like this? My father said, you ever heard of Otto Graham? I mean, and, and Otto yeah. Graham, 10 years, 10 championship games, seven championships. And, and again, if that were today, we'd be saying, he's the greatest of all time. He's not on the radar of a lot of people because he's, you know, he's an old timer. The game's changed. And yet in his era, he was the best of his era. Unitas was the best of his era. That counts for a lot. So when I see these, you know, these inflated numbers today, um, you know, 1,700 yards, 1,800 yards, pass completion, 70% in it. It's a different game. I mean, Daryl Monica was the mad bomber, right? It was because he threw the ball down the field a lot. Um, you know, Bradshaw had two more. Touchdown passes, then interceptions. A different game. They were mauling receivers at the line of scrimmage. That's why they put in the Mel Blunt rule, for God's sakes. And he was on Bradshaw's team. But but um, that's I, – I find – you're getting me worked up here because I'm a history major. <laughs> well, I got I, I'm, worked I'm, up. I'm, yeah. I'm a history major, and I'm yeah. talking about American history, but I love yeah. history in general. And I, I can't I, – I have a tough time abiding by it when people disregard history because I'm a big yeah. believer in that phrase I'm that those – those who, you know, those who can't remember history are condemned to repeat it. I mean, I, I, I believe in that. So there are lessons there. And we watch that. And we evolve. The game has evolved. It's a different game now. Doesn't mean it's better or worse. It's a different game. But to say someone, and I had someone say to me recently when I mentioned Paul Warfield one of the great receivers. They went, Paul Warfield? You see the number of catches he had each year? I said, yeah. did you yeah. see him play? He was yeah. in an offense that ran the freaking ball. I mean, averaged almost 20 yards a catch. What are you talking about? But that's, that doesn't matter. It's just bigger is better and and latest is the greatest and and so you you do have to combat that and ultimately it comes down to oh wait a second how old are you oh you're an old timer yeah, but um yeah. but that's what you, you sort of have to 
kept it compared. Clark, John, and I could talk history and old-time football with you for hours. But unfortunately, we've only got about 10 or 12 minutes left of the show. So I do want to get a 2022 question in. Yep. Another guy whose opinion I know you respect, I respect, John respects, Peter King, came out with his 2022 power rankings uh, 10 days ago, somewhere thereabouts. And he had the Eagles in at number nine, which I was a little surprised. I thought it was generally in the area where they were going to fall a little bit higher than I thought. Fourth overall in the NFC, ninth overall in the NFL. We all give Howie Roseman credit that he has done a nice job upgrading the talent on this roster with his offseason moves. Have they moved into the top 10 for Clark Judge? Um, I haven't done a top 10. I haven't done a top 32. Um, They probably (laughs) wouldn't be. But uh, did he have them behind Dallas? Where do you have him in the uh, NFC? He had him ahead of Dallas and ahead of San Francisco. He had him fourth in the NFC. Yeah, I think that the interesting thing with San Francisco, and again, uh, I'm going to answer your question, Joey. The interesting thing about San Francisco is who's quarterback in that team. I assume it's Trey Lance. And and if that's the case, San Francisco may take a step back. That's a team that I I did cover for a while and and, uh, when they were really, really good. Um, But um, I think San Francisco's got tremendous talent quarterback I worry about I, I really do worry about and I think Joe Montana did as well they um the Eagles would not be in my top 10 Jody I can't tell you why other than uh, I remember what I saw last year and there was a lot of inconsistent play um but I think some of the additions they made you know Bradbury on the uh, back end um you go with uh, the wide receivers they certainly seem to impress I- improve themselves there AJ Brown of course and but to me, it always comes back to the most important position. You know, Jalen Hurts, what's he going to give you? And I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, times when he looks like, whoa, that's the real deal. Times he doesn't. And my last memory was he didn't. I mean, he didn't look like that. So um, with, with Dallas, I think they, they suffered some in the offseason. I don't know how much I believe in them going to the next step for numbers of reasons. Maybe head coaching could be one of them. But um, that AF, uh, AFC, NFC East, to me, is a, is is somewhat of a scramble. I mean, people talk about the Giants. I, listen, my wife's a Giants fan. The Giants, are, as soon as they change quarterbacks, they got a chance. But Daniel Jones, I just don't think's the guy there. So, is it going to be Washington? I mean, who's quarterback and what Carson, Carson. Wentz? So, someone told me that they're <laughs> Las Vegas. Their odds actually went down after they added Carson Wentz. So, I mean, <laughs> nobody believes in them. So, it's a wide open scramble. But to me, no, I, I'd say. No, fourth in the NFC? No, I'd have to look more carefully. But, um, I mean, I, I would not put them there. I, I, I think that's awfully high. But Peter studies today's game a lot more carefully than I do. So I defer to him. But um, I'd be curious, who's his number one overall team? Because I know who I'd probably pick as my number one overall. Who did he pick? I think he had the Rams team? at number one. I think he uh, kept the defending champs. I thought, what's that? Uh, I see so many lists this time of year. Buffalo. I saw somebody put the Chargers number one. No, no. Yeah. That's another team, again, that I covered. Because they, of Justin they, Herbert. Yeah. Yeah. But then you've got to deal with the head coach. And, yeah. And, and, yeah. and out, people out there, some of them love him. I'm not one of them. He's an analytics guy. You know, when you got fourth and one at your own 18, last game of the season, it's early in the third quarter, and you need to win that game. You do not go for it. But this is a guy who, in my mind, lost at least two games last year that I can remember that he was following analytics, and one was an overtime loss to the Chiefs. We just kept going by analytics, analytics, and kept losing and losing and losing. Yeah, Um, yeah, they've got a lot of talent, but I I don't trust that head coach. To me, the number one team is Buffalo. I mean, Buffalo is a team that – a lot of people um, at Buffalo. Yeah, I, and, I, because I thought they were the best team last year. And um, and had they been able to play defense for 13 seconds, they probably, oh, in my mind, I think they would have won. But um, fact of the yeah, matter yeah. is, 
you don't think that devastating that kind of loss has a carryover? It might. It I is. Mean, you're you're 13 seconds away. Sure, sure it might. Point. I mean, you look what happened with Wide Right in Buffalo. That yeah. had a devastating loss. I mean, except they kept getting back. You know, going back to the Super yeah. Bowl, and back to the Super Bowl. But they never really got over that. But I think it could be, and I hope it's a motivating factor for them. Two reasons. Uh, I think they're a really good team, and I'd like to see that quarterback uh, get into Super Bowl just so we could watch him in that kind of uh, arena. But secondly, I love those fans. They're passionate fans, like Philadelphia fans. They're passionate fans. They love that team, and it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a long time since they've been there. But um, in answer to your question, Jody, no, the, I, I, off the top of my head, I'd say no because I just don't trust Jalen Hurts. I'd have to see more from him. By the way, I uh, just punch up Peter's rankings. He had San Diego number two. Didn't have number one, but he had him number two. Buffalo one, yeah. San Diego two, Kansas City three. Doesn't get to an NFC team till number four. Where's he the got Green Bay? Champion Rams. Oh, where's he have Green Bay? Rams four, Green Bay five. Well, yeah. that's gonna be interesting to see what happens there with some of the offseason losses, especially especially Devontae Adams. But uh, uh, last one for me, Clark. I want to I want to get your Hall of Fame crystal ball out when it comes to Philadelphia because I I tell Eagles fans. You know, Malcolm Jenkins just retired. Hall of very good. He's not he's not going to be the conversation for the Hall of Fame seriously in my mind. What your thoughts on him? And then I start thinking about Jason Kelsey. And I think, you know what? He's getting closer. He's getting closer. Uh, he's getting closer. And this might be the last year for Jason Kelsey. You mentioned earlier, maybe there's a bit of a blind spot for interior linemen. That hurts him. Malcolm Jenkins, Jason Kelsey. Yeah, I, I, those two, uh, Kelsey to me is the more likely. Uh, that doesn't, again, mean he's going in. I'm speaking as one of 49 people, but um, certainly has the resume for it. As I mentioned, I'd caution you only because of the position he plays. Um, Jenkins actually plays a position that's more likely to get attention, but it's also going to have uh, more of a crowd that people you're going, okay, you know, where does he stand among these people? Um, I, I think. Kelsey's the more likely guy. I thought you were going to ask me about LaShawn McCoy, but. Um, yeah, uh, Shady. Well, throw Shady in as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's a guy that he's going to be an interesting guy because he'll be in the conversation all decade. Um, two time Super Bowl champ, although that came, you know, late in his career yeah. uh, when he wasn't uh, LaShawn McCoy anymore. But um, and then I think. I think six-time Pro Bowl. I mean, he's got he's got all the the accolades you want. But I was trying to break him down the other day because I was going to write about him and I decided not to. What's going to end up sort of? I'm not saying hurt him, but the thing that's going to be an, a, a factor for him are the people around him on the all-time leading rushers. And 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 Corey Dillon's one of them. Um, and Corey Dillon certainly could be Hall of Fame worthy. He's never been a finalist. Never been a semifinalist. Uh, Fred Taylor, 16th all-time leading rusher. Never been a finalist. He's been a semifinalist the last three years. Um, LaShawn McCoy is, I think, somewhere like 23rd. And just ahead of Ricky Waters, never been a finalist. Never been a, I think he's been a semifinalist once. Um, Steven Jackson's ahead of him. Steven Jackson, uh, never been a finalist. So, uh, or semifinalist. so I, I think LaShawn McCoy will get attention. He might be a semifinalist, could be a finalist. I mean, tell because all those people around, was he better than Ricky Waters? You guys saw Ricky Waters. I saw him in San Francisco when he was a, a, a um, But uh, Ricky Waters has the, the, the numbers, but it's more than the numbers. And again, guys, it comes back to what we talked about earlier, the eye test. You know, and and when, when Ricky was in San Francisco, to me, I looked down there, there's a budding Hall of Famer. And I saw him in Seattle later in his career, and I was not on the Hall of Fame board at that point. And we talked about that. And I said, Boy, if you'd stayed in San Francisco, Ricky, 
They would have won. <laughs> they would have won more Super Bowls. You would have been a name that people always remembered, and you'd be a certain Hall of Famer. He goes, "I am a certain Hall of Famer," and I would say, oh, "Why do you say that?" And he goes, "Did you see my numbers?" I said, "Yeah, I have seen your numbers, but it's more than numbers. It's more than numbers. It's it's about you know, success too." And 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 unfortunately, with Ricky and I, and I do mean and unfortunately that. Um, that that incident early in his career in, in Philadelphia hurt him. Oh, yeah. You know? oh yeah. And, and and that lives on with him, you know? Uh and, yeah. and that and and so you, you gotta get past that because he was a he was an outstanding player. To me, he deserves to be discussed. And if he deserves to be discussed, let's get LaShawn McCoy in there too. But Ricky Waters is a is a guy that I, I I'm not sure why we haven't paid attention to him, but we haven't. Um, that's a, that's exactly where I was going, Clark. As a matter of fact, I just saw it again. I, it's 25 years old now. I have a cap that says for who, for what, for who, for what. Was yeah, that. <laughs> that I've got a cap that that's emblazoned on the cap that was sold here in Philadelphia for who, for what. So yes, right. No, he was, good. but you know, he was the perfect fit for the offense they had in San Francisco. And I said that to George Seifert, you don't have that guy coming out of the backfield can make all the catches. He could do it all. He really, he was a Roger Craig of that team. And so they put in a guy named Derek Laville afterwards. And he scored touch touchdowns that year. And, they thought, oh, you know, he did a good job replacing Ricky. Okay, yeah. But then it came to the playoff game when they played Green Bay in the 95 playoff games. What did Green Bay do? The rest three guys dropped everyone else in, in, in the coverage and said, okay, beat us with a run. And they couldn't. They couldn't beat him with Derek LaVille. You could beat him with Ricky Waters. Clark, we appreciate when you educate us, when you educate our streamers. Thank you much for doing it. Uh, we'll give you the rest of the summer off, but we're definitely going to be getting you back on before the season gets underway. Thanks for coming on with us today. Yeah, thanks for boiling my blood with history. I love that guy. Thank <laughs> you. Fun. I look forward Appreciate to it. That was, that was a pleasure. Thank you very much, guys. If you Thank enjoyed you. it, check out his I Test for Two podcast. Clark Judge of Talk of Fame here with us on Birds 365. Thanks, Clark. Thank you. John McMullen, Johnny McDonald, Mac and Mac guys. You cut a couple of old school guys here joined by yeah. a third. Boils, I got my, that boils my blood as well, Jody. All we, that stuff. Got to take a little walk down memory lane. All right, we'll come back. You know what we got to do? Put a bow on the show here on Birds 365. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. On the field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that.
At Action News, we cherish every moment, and it's our profound responsibility to bring you closer to your world. Never miss a moment. Trust the people at Action News. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left, I fake them out. Mama, go up, up, up! She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. John McMullen, Jody McDonald, last couple of minutes here on a uh, Birds 365 episode. Uh, Johnny Mac thinking he may get an invite tonight before the day is gone to go down. Yeah, it's already tentative. It's already tentative, but I can't say one. And oh, by the way, thank you very much, Eagles, for scheduling that for Friday. So it means we can't talk about it till Monday here on Birds 365. Thank you very much. Uh, But I digress. Uh, I just want to wrap on this note today, John. Because that's something to do what we were just talking about with Clark Judge. That's former Eagles running back Ricky Waters and his infamous quote of for who, for what. Uh, prior to that, I have mixed emotions about Ricky Waters and his tenure as an Eagle and his Hall of Fame status and everything else because of something that happened prior to him ever becoming a Philadelphia Eagle. With my other Mac partner, Glenn Mac now, he and I were doing a show from King of Pizza uh, um, in the King of Prussia, Pizzeria Uno, um, which used to be right in front of the mall there. Great spot, good bar. And we did a show there once a week for like three years. Uh, so he and I are out there one week. It's after the NFL season, uh, not shortly thereafter. And we get a note from our producer back at the studio. Ricky Waters' agent called. Ricky had become a free agent anytime with the 49ers, was free to talk to absolutely anybody. So Ricky Waters' agents calls the studio on the caller line and says, Ricky's in his car outside of Pizzeria Uno. He wants to know if Glenn and Jody want to talk to him. He would be willing to come in and join the show if they would have him on as a guest. So Ricky is booking himself as a guest on our show. Well, he wanted some pizza and he, you know, why not hop on the show? Exactly. And I was like, no, 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 no. We book our guests. Guests don't book with us. And I, for a second there, I thought about just saying no. Then I said, well, no, wait a minute. This kid's a really good man. The Eagles could be interested. He could sign with the, we could get the first interview with him before you have, yeah, okay. Tell Ricky to come on inside and we'll bring him on. And he did. He joined us and walked into the joint. Sat right down. How you doing? Blah, blah, blah. Shot the breeze with him. Talked about his game and everything. Still put me off a little bit that he said, and I'm coming home. Harrisburg isn't quite Philadelphia. It's a little bit outside of Philadelphia. It's more home than San Francisco. I'll give you that. Yeah. But yeah. The, 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 the fact that people take, there's the suburbs of Philadelphia. And then there's like, 
not even counties outside of Philadelphia, which I thought Ricky was stretching it by calling uh, as a former Harrisburg kid coming home to Philadelphia. Well, we Shady know. would say the same thing pretty much. Yeah, I'd say the, the same thing to Shady. The, no, yeah. that's not coming home. Yeah. A little, little bit I, get, I, I get fired up the same way as Clark with these discussions and, and players like that. And I always did it in basketball with Will Chamberlain because I hear it with so many like, well, if Will played now, he wouldn't be Will. And I'm like, why does the time machine work one way, Jody, with these people? You know, you can put Will Chamberlain in this era, but you can't put Joel Embiid or whoever in Wilt's era where you didn't have the advantages of nutrition. In other words, what I'm trying to say is Wilt was born when he was born. He had those genetics to dominate the game like nobody ever has in, 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 in the past. His era or the future, by the way, nobody's dominated the game like Will Chamberlain. Um, he would, if he were born 30, 40 years later, he would have those same genetics that were better than everybody else's. So why does the time machine only work one way? Why can't you put all the modern players, like the receivers that put up all these numbers, Jody, and put them with Mel Blunt and put them getting their there you know what kicked at the line of scrimmage and held and beaten every single play why does the time machine only work one way as great as Joel Embiid is and will continue to be the one thing they've never done for Joel Embiid is change the rules of the game yeah Wilt exactly. was so dominant they said hold on we got to make the lane wider because if we don't, this is just ridiculous. No one can possibly stop that guy. None of these players in today's game have ever had the rules changed because they were too dominant the way that Wilt was. All right, uh, great point. Uh, partner, I say we do this again tomorrow, and you'll tell us if you did get that notification to get your butt down to the uh, Novacare Complex so you can actually see the Eagles on the field. Oh, I'm going. It's not official yet, but I'm going. It's just a matter of timing, Jody. Might even get a Jeff Kerr if we can. Might have to pop out a little early, but we'll see. Okay. We'll see how shakes right. out. We'll see how the timing works tomorrow. It's Jody McDonald for sure. John McMullen is a maybe. We'll have to, you have to be tuned in tomorrow to see in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? 
My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.